Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida. One of these stars is sitting in the secret square, and the contestant to pick it could win a Canadian holiday for two. Which star is it? Jonathan Winters, Alf, Rosemary, Dom DeLuise, Richard Simmons, Kermit the Frog, Vincent Price, Joan Rivers, or Paul Lind, all in the Totes Phase Squares. On your marks, get set, I'm Brandon Werner. If you don't like my faves, you are the weakest link. Goodbye, I'm Zara. This 33-year-old Indian American currently living in Pittsburgh is about to demolish in totes faves. What is I'm Deepu? We surveyed 100 people the top one answer on the board. Name the guest who is excited to talk about game shows. Survey says, I'm Devin Delaquante. Hello, welcome Devin, our special guest for today. Hello. Nice to uh, meet you. Very excited to be here. Devin. Nice to meet you as well across the wonderful airwaves. Welcome contestants. Define game shows. We're talking game shows on what is sort of a game show itself. For the first time. This is I think this is it's amazing it's been the first It's a game show about game shows. Now it's doing a game show about game shows. We're very meta right now. <laughs> it's exciting. My head hurts. For the three of us, we haven't run into a meta episode yet. But this is good. It had to, it had to, it had to, it had to happen. <laughs> and now on episode 23, it has. Yeah, so when uh, we were planning this episode, I will say that we ran into this issue where I think there is maybe three classifications of game show. Where you have a traditional game show where regular people compete for prizes. Right. One episode at a time. That seems then like you 90% have, of game shows. That seems like all of the game shows. Yeah. <laughs> you think, that seems like all the game shows. <laughs> you think. And then you have panel shows where comedians compete for nothing. Like... Just for to who is to see who's the smartest. To see who's the, the funniest. Like Skill based competition like American Ninja Warrior. No, like a comedic based <laughs> a comedic based competition. I mean, if, like, sure. Comedy was a sports athlete. <laughs> you get the more you get them more in England than you do here, but yeah. panel shows are set up like a game show, which can be, lead to some con- confusion. And I think the more modern thing is you're talking about Injure Warrior, but I, I was playing around with putting Survivor in my list because mm. it is a game show that takes place over a full season. So it's like the bingeable version of the game show. But shows. that was the bridge from game show to reality show. Yeah, but yeah. there's like a, a sect of reality shows that involve, involve game. games. So like I think The Bachelor is the, a game. The, the intersection sure. of a host and competition. Is that a safe right. definition for a game show? To win prizes. Or well, money. We don't win prizes here, so maybe we're not a game show. <laughs> oh, no. oh no! Let's just stop the recording. It's, it's derailed not, uh, already. Existential. <laughs> yeah. Wait, and Devin, you were saying that there was something that holds unites your picks without giving too much away. Oh, for my picks, I, I feel like when I described the my picks to my girlfriend and said these are my picks that I'm going with, she said she may have used the word basic about me, which <laughs> is a fair criticism. But to me. I had an English teacher once who was very determined to teach the classics. She always said it's very important to study the classics, to see them because they're masterpieces for a reason. Your Hamlets, Crime and Punishment, The Great Gatsby, Great Expectations, <laughs> things like this. So there's something you can learn about humanity by studying the classics. So that is how I approached my game show picks because I think they reveal something both about 
game shows as a genre writ large and about us as a society. So the that is condition. why I went with my picks. Well, so some, you're, you're, you're proposing that game shows say something about the human condition. Oh my God, 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> Life is but a game show. Can I just... I believe that? Hamlet said that. We're all just contestants yes. on, on the on stage. game show. We really are. My goal is to prove that by the end of, that, on the end of this podcast. So I can summarize uh, your strategy as intellectual superiority. Got it. No, no. <laughs> Certainly not superior. You have to remember that I started out by saying that I'm basic. Because I am the most basic of basics. Um, but yeah, that is, I tried to take three very basic picks and turn them high minded. So whether or not I'm successful, we will see. But I will also, I'll also uh, bring up the point that when we talk about the entertaining celebrity panel show and the game show where a regular everyday person tries to win money, the pyramid or $100,000 pyramid or $64,000 pyramid or whatever it is, is kind of a hybrid between the two. Cause they I would have also sl- have a hybrid. Yes. So we'll just do those teases because there is a bridge between panel show and game show. Yes. Of the various Venn diagrams, there's a lot of different overlapping things. There's also, one thing. We'll post buckle the up. Venn diagram on the website. <laughs> yeah, That's we're going to have like a, a research packet that will be in Sheila's corner yeah. on the website. If there's one thing podcast oh, listeners meet, love, it's verbal descriptions of Venn diagrams. <laughs> Devin, you didn't meet her. She's in the corner, our intern, Sheila. Oh, great. Got she, it. Like, She's not allowed tack, to talk. Yeah. I understand. So I can understand if you didn't. You you didn't notice. Got it. it. Got it. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's get moving. Battle begin. Round one. Nick Arcade versus at midnight. Okay. Well, I chose. Um, you know, as the new player in town, I chose at midnight, which some people would argue isn't. Um, even a game show, but I would argue perhaps it's comedy's first game show. So, uh, hot off of his stint on Singled Out in 1993, <laughs> um, Chris Hardwick came back in the limelight, uh, which I think is one of the funniest game shows in town. It's basically a vehicle for one-liners, where three comedians, usually stand-ups or improvisers, are the contestants, and then there's just digitally inspired content in which to they're like making punchlines at this. So in another world, it might be the first social media inspired game show. Hashtag Brandon vote for mine. Uh, so the games <laughs> might be like make up a funny thing for a hashtag that's trending on Twitter, or like make up three word phrases to naughty pictures that's going to make Chris Hardwick um, ring. Or this one that I really like, which is called Rich Cat Poor Cat, where they watch a short video clip of a cat and decide if this cat's like a rich baller or somebody that's getting shamed on the internet by its owner. Um, so it's pretty awesome, and I, I just want to put one quick tidbit fact on there, which is showing that not only is it uh, a great show, but they have good taste. But the person, the comedian, to have the highest rate of winning on the show is fan favorite Paul F. Tompkins. So at the intersection of comedy and good taste is at midnight. So I'm going to um, bring forth one of... I, I imagine several Nickelodeon game shows from the 90s. Nick Arcade. Now, uh, Nick, Nickelodeon, well, Nick Arcade, also called Nickelodeon Arcade, or in Mexico, titled Zona de los Juegos, um, is a <laughs> game show where children are competing to be thrust into a portal where they then battle uh, video game bosses. Um, and it was a show that ran in the um, early 90s using uh, Chroma Key, 
Uh, and this new video game thing. You can kind of see this is kind of in the Nintendo Entertainment System SNES Genesis era where video games were becoming big business. So Nintendo wanted to, to get in on there. And I think it was... I think what made it such a great game show was that, you know, every game show has a has recurring themes. But Nick Arcade was great in that the board the board that the ki- the the kids were competing on and the games that they would then play were always changing and always shifting. And you would have favorites and things that you wanted to uh, to see, but. Uh, every time you watched it, not only were the, the kids different, but the games themselves were different. I think that made it a very unique watch. So I feel a little torn because Nick Arcade, if I was allowed to put in four choices, Nick Arcade would have been my fourth because I truly loved this game. It felt like magic to me. It was you know, from the Nickelodeon time of Legends of the Hidden Temple and Nick Arcade and followed a similar pattern of... of you're the, competing to go into the... Into the, the world. Into the world. Yeah. And the world that you would go into was nearly impossible. So you... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I think the whole... I mean, you might have kind of... You might have really just figured it out where the kids are competing uh, um, in teams or in threes. I mean, one, oh, and then... At the end, there's like a boss level. So in Double Dare, you've got the contraption. In Guts, you had the aggro crag. Mm-hmm. In uh, Nick Arcade, you had the going inside the video going game. inside the, the the video zone. Video to zone. Against the video, <laughs> Sorry, video wizards. Zone. The video wizards. The video wizards. That's right. And so and I always would love to see the behind the scenes footage of the kids running around in front of the chroma key screen it seemed impossible like I they would I be th- running around and they wouldn't know which direction there were was actual which ladders and, and, and are they looking so this is my question and i've read av club does really good oral histories of like double dare and they've definitely done one for nick arcade oh, wow. i think that are and they talk to people and the kids say that it is impossible because you're basically i think they're looking at a monitor of kind of like a weatherman. There's a um, yeah. Yeah. monitor, and they're in exactly. front of like a completely like a green obstacle course, and they had to like dodge things because they don't exist. It's it's almost the technology is pretty clunky, right? Like this is early nineties, yeah. like but amazing really, at the same time. It was trying to like reach too far with technology, where if yeah. we want to change the conversation to at midnight is really hitting <laughs> the technology in the moment at the time. It's fresh, very it's on young, the it's funny. I've discovered new comics I love just from watching this game show, and I never heard of them before. All right, Deepa, I'm going to throw it out right here. This is not a game show. This is a panel show. No one's competing for anything. Oh, all no, of this no, stuff they, is they pre-written. Get points. They but do it's get all points. Pre-written. There it's is all a pre-written. loosely structured system of points. It is a loose game show, but I I don't know. I I think it is a game show. It fe- it's at least has the trappings of a game show. I'm sure when but, they were in the marketing room at Comedy Central, it was pitched as a game show. Oh, a hundred percent. There's no yeah, doubt because you can't that. sell a panel show in America because he gives um, he gives points and there's a winner. Yeah. There is a winner. Yeah. The prize is to be labeled on Wikipedia as the most winning comedian, Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> like, and, that, and what a modern prize, right? <laughs> Just most winningness, um, <laughs> as opposed Wikipedia. to like an NES system or a, <laughs> a trip to Canada. But Deepu, has At Midnight featured a young Joey Fatone, then Joseph Fatone, competing <laughs> as Nick Arcade did? Was he a child or the, he was a child? His team did not make it to the video zone, but it was a child, oh, jo- Joseph Fatone. Brandon, I will say, I'm so glad that you brought up Joey Fatone because 
he also makes an appearance in one of my picks oh. in a way that I will bring up when it comes up. Wow. Listen, he really gets it's around. Like the Greek god of game shows. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he's yeah. a vi- he is a game is a video wizard, as they called the, called them. So, what, what what are we going with? We've got a pick. I'm Nick Arcade. I I get a pick. Yeah, oh, wonderful. We have to decide. I feel like I need to recuse myself, Jeff Session <laughs> style, because the show that I work on is actually uh, followed by At Midnight. So I feel oh, like wow. we get in trouble. You should way. recuse yourself. You should recuse. Oh, no, no, I should recuse for it. No, I, I, I cannot in good conscience. Rod Rosenstein gets my vote. You don't want to get hit with obstruction of Totes Faves justice. Yeah, we have to appoint a special prosecutor to make my... Robert Mueller gets to vote for me because I don't get to do it. I guess it's only fair that I'll vote twice, like once for myself and once on Devin's behalf. Um, so two votes for at midnight. No. No. No, that's not how that works. <laughs> I refuse. I apologize. I let you down. Were, were there not a contractual issue, I probably would have voted for Ed, but no. That's a, yeah. a Toots Faves first. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Conflict of interest. Hollywood Squares versus Family Feud. All right. Well, uh, Joey Fatone is now back because he... <laughs> He has been one of the announcers for the new version of Family Feud in one of its many uh, iterations with different hosts and um, announcer pairings. So Joey Fatone has recorded some of the things that I believe are still being used in uh, this version of the Family Feud as it is. But uh, for me, I, I was kind of breaking the game shows down into comedic game shows and serious game shows. And, and this felt like a very good hybrid of the two because it fits so squarely into both worlds. It is, it's hard to beat Family Feud when it comes to that. There's, first of all, there's this sort of primal, ancient aspect to it where it is warring tribes coming together and families standing beneath their own crest at war with each other. But it is also just the stupidest. And they, they come in and they'll, they'll stand and they'll shake hands and they'll be at a buzzer and it's top five answers on the board and there's such a moment of drama. But then the question will be something like, name a topping you put on a sandwich and then you have to go into battle with that. The format also is so great because it's, it's the survey that is the, determining what the answers are. There is no sense of elitism around it because you're not trying to get a right or wrong answer. You're trying to be in touch with what the people are deciding. What do people think is the top sandwich topping? Hashtag social justice. And uh, yeah, so I think that it is it is perfect in that. Also, sonically, a perfect game. The dings, the X's. So oh, yeah, the uh, uh-uh. it's right. an uh-uh, right? Yeah. Oh well, and and also the uh, the ding and the turn. It's like a double sound of both <laughs> the success and the reveal of the clue. And the red the red X buzz. I won't try to replicate it, but it, it is a perfect sound. So. Those are my arguments for The Family Feud being a perfect game show. I will say that I sometimes think Hollywood Squares is the perfect game show because it mixes the best of comedy with the get with an actual game show. And I think what makes it so great is that it is the most basic of games. It is tic-tac-toe. But they've layered all of this other stuff on top of it to then make it a game show. You have, you have normal people that are competing to play tic-tac-toe and inside of this giant tic-tac-toe board which always like 
I was always so fascinated as a child at how big it was. Because yeah, they're they inside. inside of it. They're uh, inside of it. They're inside of the tic-tac-toe board. <laughs> are some of the best comedians of all time. And it, it, it has because it is run. It ran in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And then it went, went away for a while. Came back in the 2000s. Um, it's since gone dormant. But it will, it will, will, will rise from the dust again. Um, and it's just that it's great because when you call on a celebrity... They are asked the question, and then they give a zinger, as they would call it, and then they would give the actual answer. Then you would, the person would decide whether you know it was right or wrong. And the real star of Hollywood Squares, and as a young kid growing up watching reruns on the Game Show Network, was Paul Lind. Paul Lind, center square for most of the 60s and the 70s, he had some of the best one-liners of all time. I'll just give one to, to get us started in, in the debate. Is Peter Marshall asks, in what state was Abraham Lincoln born? And Paul Lynn said, naked and screaming like the rest of us. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first thing right out of the gate, Family Feud still on, still relevant to a modern audience. So I think that that's a big factor that... The kids today love Paul Lynn. No, they don't. <laughs> yes. The second thing out of the gate, how dare you not bring up Whoopi Goldberg? I was waiting for that. I was. You had a you had a ticket into Deepa's heart. I was saving Whoopi Goldberg she to bring her out for later. Of Hollywood Squares. Like she, well, no, you're. But this is what's great about it. You're talking about the '80s Hollywood Squares when we were watching it as kids. But if you were if you are over the if you're a, a baby boomer, you know Paul Lind as the star of Hollywood Squares. Um, I loved him. I knew him as Templeton the Rat. Once again, Hollywood Squares is a fine novelty (laughs) game show. But we're talking about fave game shows. And Family Feud just has the iconic, iconic game show phrases. Survey says. That is ubiquitous as representative of a game show. And I will argue that you could put the moment of the host saying, survey says, and gesturing toward the board, and the hesitation... Before the perfect sound, as the best moment in game show. The, I have, that I have a question for you, and it's why do sheep sleep huddled up? And the answer is because little boy Blue's a weirdo. <laughs> Does that mean like little boy Blue? And- Devin, you're missing it, which is is a, is a thing that you should be attacking Brandon with. Is that as much as it, it has all the perfect uh, game show elements, it is also very funny. Right, like the interviewing of the families is like on yes. in terms of comedy. Like it is as much comedy, I think, as Family Feud, except maybe it's and more it's real. Yeah, exactly. And but within real. the game show format, they don't have to bring Whoopi Goldberg out and eight other celebrities no, in order to make the comedy them. happen. You Good job. That's fair. You got you got the number correct. It's nine squares. That's fair. But <laughs> the great thing is, you could bring Whoopi Goldberg in to host the Family Feud because the Family Feud is one of those rare game shows that has had so many different hosts. And yet the format works so well, you can slot anybody into it. You had Richard Dawson, Ray Combs, Louis Anderson, Richard Karn, John O'Hurley, and Steve Harvey. That is so many different hosts. Well, you, you said Steve Harvey, though, so I don't know. Well, he's Steve, really making it his own. He's, he's a making very it his good own. interviewer of the family. He's absolutely making say. it his own. <laughs> and his Miss Universe crime should not be held against him for his hosting of the family okay, feud. I'll just, throw, I'll just throw one thing out there to... to just and then we'll go move on because I think this could be an atomic bomb or not. And I ex- uh, exhibit exhibit A, and this is 
Kermit the Frog on Hollywood Squares with Charo. I'm uninterested. No, you lost me. You lost yeah. me. <laughs> Strike out. <laughs> it's family. This game. It's over. The Family Feud defense rests. Yeah. Off of the family Feud done. Team, team Family Feud. Yes. Uh. Oh, I feel so vindicated. <laughs> Round two. Who wants to be a millionaire versus Nick Arcade? These are both mine. So I'm going to start with who wants to be a millionaire. Uh, and can I, Zark, can I, can I, can I phone a friend? No. Oh, <laughs> I used that already, didn't I? Um, That's a reference from the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I didn't think know if you read it. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in its prime was, I, you know, sometimes game, sh- game shows are something that they're just always on. It's something you watch when you're sick or you're, you're, you just watch it when you stumble upon it. But... Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is one of the few game shows that kind of hit a pop culture sensation when where it became must-see TV. And I think uh, not only does that make Who Wants to Be a Millionaire one of my favorite game show experiences, but it was one of my favorite um, TV-watching experiences because when everyone was watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and especially when no one had gotten to the millionaire point yet, and when it looked like some, when they kept teasing when someone was going to hit, like if someone was going to hit it, and it became, when we were, got, when we were getting there, that became such must-see television where it did feel like everyone was watching it. And I do think, although later on as it went, they, they really tampered with the game in a lot of ways to make it much harder to win. Those early seasons of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire had this just amazing energy to it that I think made it a, such an amazing game. And then Nick Arcade... We I know. presented that already. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I have such um, mixed feelings about who wants to be a millionaire from the early stages when it was still pure to how it is now where it's just they just churn through people now. It feels like it's been relegated down yeah. to daytime where it used to be like a primetime appointment game show to watch. Which now is it's true. just like amongst <laughs> the Judge Judys of the world where it feels if it had just started like, that uh, way it would have been great. Feed. But it feels like it feels like it got demoted. <laughs> but also, and it's so good. We the part where it's also just really boring. I never got so, into it. I thought it was so this boring. Is, I I agree. So there's something I will say that the pace of the show is very slow. Sometimes, like, and they milk it. those mm. decisions so hard. I blame the Ryan Seacrest phenomenon on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire because it would be so <laughs> slow. And the final answer that it was the precursor to American Idol being like, "We're gonna find out right after yeah. the break," and it just primetime became that kind of thing with the reality competition show. I think in part because of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and the pace of it, like you said. And it definitely that show spawned all our deal or no deals. It spawned mm. the world of those gigantic well, studio shows. Man versus show. Wall. Everyone's yeah, been trying wall. to... Yeah, Man <laughs> versus Wall. Uh, also a, Nick Har- uh, a Chris Hardwick production, like half That's of television right. now. Sure. Um, also a Donald Trump. They're all trying to capture that magic that Who Wants to Be a Millionaire season one yeah. had. Mm-hmm. Where it was like, they're all trying to be like, tune in because this guy's going to throw a ball against the wall. Yeah. And you're going to want to see it. Millionaire tried to be both smart and stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it tried to have it both ways. Like epic. Yeah. In a stupid way. Yeah. <laughs> like over I the do top. Think, I think smart, that they should have yeah. ended it after the millionaire happened. Yeah. I think, it, and that's from kind of, I wish I could just give it 
<laughs> just, who wants to be a millionaire? Oh, you do. We have found mm. the uh, answer to the question. Yeah, and I will say, friend of the show, Eric Cunningham, was a contestant on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And won $100,000. That's I was going to say that the cool part about the show, not only did our friend um, win $100,000 on it, like Deepu and I know a guy from college who got at least got into the lightning round part, but he didn't make it past the, mm-hmm. like you know, the part where you had to like yeah. push the button down. Right. Put them in order. And whoever, yeah, and All whoever right. did it, the fastest sure. got through which is like pretty much impossible yeah um so it feel like that was a cool part of the show that the guests or not the guests the contestants they got were real and we could yeah. confirm that they are real they people are real people the problem that is just real that the money. core of the show is really boring yeah yeah <laughs> um i for that reason as much as i love meredith vieira and you know this even though she wasn't the original <laughs> host i thought she did a great job um i'm going with nick arcade because i just Nick Arcade for me was like this quintessential. This is what the future is, and looking back on it, it's so janky. But and this it is like look around us. There's orbs flying everywhere. I mean, virtual reality our should tip its our hat. Our president held an orb from Nick Arcade. That's true. They had. That. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going with Nick Arcade? I'm Nick Arcade. Also, press your luck. Versus, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Okay, this year luck I'm a little confused about because when I was thinking of my favorite game shows, this um, popped up as one of my very favorites. But then when I was doing research on it, I realized that it ran from 1983 to 1986, which means I was at the oldest three years old <laughs> watching the show. What is it? Like, strike such resonance in my heart. So this was a, like, trivia game show. Um, and what happened was, is you would answer all these trivia questions, and if you got enough right, you went to this awesome, huge board. So on this board, your face was in the middle, and all these prizes were surrounding you, and this light would, like, jitter across the screen to these different prizes. But in between these prizes, and this is the show that, like, defined the whole show, were these, like, red cartoon creatures called whammies and whammies were these like high-pitched little shits right and they were animated and if you landed on one of them it took your score down to zero and they were just like there's no other way to define them except that they were awful little shits that just humiliated the guest by like throwing a pie in its face or like farting or something and it, it taught me that you could get humor by just humiliating others um, which is now defined my comedic, comedic experience almost through and through. But the game just had so much energy because you would see these people's faces in the middle as this light was circulating around, and they would just go, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, no whammy, and then slam it, and then you would see what they want. So it really had that anticipation factor and these like weird caricature interleaves of these um, tiny red monsters. So I'm going to talk about a little show called where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Which you might remember from the hit group slash studio band Rockapella, an acapella band. Um, so this show was created, of course, based on the classic computer game by Broder Bunn called Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. And it was partially created because there was a realization that um, Americans don't know geography to the point where there was a National Geographic survey that indicated Americans had very alarmingly, quote-unquote, alarmingly little knowledge of geography, with one in four being unable to locate the Soviet Union or the Pacific Ocean. 
So based on this, um, they're like, we have to fix this. Let's get PBS in here. Let's make a show for kids biggest, to get them. The biggest thing on the planet. No. The biggest ocean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the largest ocean. They could not figure it out. Um, and so it would have these kids compete against each other to determine, to basically like find Carmen Sandiego's henchmen. And they, so part of it was trivia. Part of it was almost like, um, what do you call that game? Memory where you would flip over cards. No, it's not cards, but you would flip over things to reveal clues or where a henchman was. And the best part about this game was something similar to what we've been discussing with Double, Door, Double Dare and Nick Arcade, this idea of the impossible game. And so the whole, this whole show built to the final world map where you would have to find Carmen Sandiego. And it was literally the hardest game in the world. And watching that as a child was mind-boggling that kids could even do it a little bit and there have been some kids to complete it you would have to they would give clues to seven locations and in 60 seconds you had to run across this gigantic map of either north america or africa to put down a pin like a light when where the um, location that the clue matched was and there are amazing youtube videos of kids doing this and it's inspiring and that's my pick and I know it's not my pick, but if I could just say one more word about inspiration. This show was <laughs> on in the early 90s, and I think it was one of my first experiences, other than my mother, of seeing strong females of color dominating on the screen. So both Lynn Thigpen. The and the boss, right? Whatever her name was, Sergeant Lynn Parker, Thigpen. Remember? She was the chief. Yeah, the chief. <laughs> were, were these like two great women of color. Like, way to go, PBS. We can't even do that anymore. She was so amazing um, and so powerful and actually was also nominated for four daytime Emmys. (laughs) And um, no, it's it's such an incredible show. And I just remember it being so hard because even the computer game for me, the computer game would come with a world almanac so that you could like figure out, look ahead and try to figure out fun facts, mostly about geography and different countries. And this was this show you would watch without an almanac. <laughs> I remember being so frustrated when there would be a kid who was really smart who you were rooting for and they got like Southeast Asia on the map. Oh my god. And then like some dolt kid who like sneaks his way in gets like North and Central America. Yeah. It's like, where's Canada? And they get to put the light on it. It was so frustrating to me that it seemed like you could really luck out if you got a continent that you generally knew, like Europe or North America. And the kids so know, easier. you can see it in their eyes. Yeah. It's like the most heartbreaking thing to watch. And there's an, yeah, the YouTube video I'm thinking of is called like Kid Solves Africa Map because oh Africa was the hardest. Yeah. And they're just giving <laughs> clues about Chad. Oh, yeah. And there's kids, like, <laughs> and the kids like, but he yeah. does it and yeah. it's amazing. And at the end, as opposed to like jumping up and down in triumph, it's so clearly exhausting and yeah. painful. He just is anguished. He did it, but he's anguished because yeah. he knows there's still a whole world. It was the out only there. thing that combined geography and exercise, yeah. which is not. <laughs> Like, very difficult. A single kid that knows all that geography is obviously not able to run for a minute straight. Right? No. Oh, yeah. like, those, are, those are competing skills. And yeah. Africa's huge. Like, can you sprint and do you know where Gabon is? Yeah. It's not fair. These are important skills. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a problem because I don't even want to vote for mine anymore. <laughs> I feel like we're unanimous then. We're unanimous, but um, can I throw in one press your luck trivia fact that about the guy like why do i have a memory of this when i wasn't born i remember the visual of the whammies and like the guy who looked like bananas kind or like didn't they have was there a banana man or some kind of the cartoons were very junky looking very i remember that yeah 
But uh, there's a great story of a guy who figured out the pattern of how the light moves around the board and he to figure out when to push to succeed basically because it used to be a fixed pattern and there's you should find read look this up online because it's amazing because there's a guy who figured out how to solve the board he broke the game basically and they had to reprogram it i'm just picturing a rain man sequel where tom cruise brings dustin hoffman that they figured out how to (laughs) win press your luck and so they just know when the whammies are gonna come no i mean it is 100 (laughs) percent. it's a true story wow I remember a whammy dressed as a an old grandma, and I think like pushing a shopping cart across. Yeah. But I think it was syndicated. I don't think it was necessarily when we were really young. I think they, the repeat yeah. just like went and went and went and went and went. So you would see the same ones over and over, but it did really well after the fact. Yeah, they were such little shits. Let's not vote for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jeopardy versus Family Feud. Did anyone else have Jeopardy? I had Jeopardy. I also had Jeopardy. So go right ahead because we've discussed Family Feud. All right, I'll take Jeopardy. Jeopardy, uh, I felt it uh, morally important to pick a highfalutin game show, one of the smarter game shows. Uh, And Jeopardy obviously is like if the New York Times crossword were a game show. (laughs) Uh, And there's something about it, first of all, Again, a game show that's still running, I think there's a lot to be said for it. There's a lot to be said for the format, that it was able to bridge generations through the internet revolution, all of that. Uh, the whole show, to me, it can it has the potential to be boring, but it isn't. It's so engaging. You can watch it on mute and play along. <laughs> it gives you enough time to answer and play. It's on at the perfect time at the end of the day where you can just sort of sit and try to feel good about yourself if you get the clues right. And to me, it's the whole thing... As opposed to the Family Feud, which you can slot any host in and it will work, the just sort of aloofness of Alex Trebek is so perfect, and he takes himself and the game so seriously that it almost feels like the whole thing is he's like your slightly distant father that you have to impress in order to win the inheritance that you deserve, (laughs) and I really appreciate that about Jeopardy!, and it's the only game show where you could have, like, Watson the supercomputer show up to play it. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Like, you're not going to bring Watson onto Wheel of Fortune because it would be beneath the, the good people at IBM who built him. They were going to say beneath Watson. It would be beneath Watson. <laughs> He's like, I am a robot Watson and I will like, not What stand. is this glorified hangman bullshit? I don't want to spin the wheel. I already know the answer. Like, it would be such a waste. So, uh... I appreciate it, and uh, it is a different type of game show, but who wants to be a millionaire where it fails with its over-the-top trickery? I think that's where Jeopardy! really succeeds. It's a lot of clues, it's very fast, it's different types of questions about everything, but it is a a way... We should all aspire to Jeopardy! in, in our culture, and this era of, you know, crapping all over intellectuals, I think that Jeopardy! is something that it, it celebrates that. Yeah, it celebrates it. And there's so little that does that in our culture, in mainstream culture and game show culture in particular, that uh, I, I have a particular fondness for Jeopardy. Um, the only thing I want to add to this is that the theme song, so the, the, all the music for Jeopardy was composed by the show's creator, Merv Griffin, and uh. his wife. And <laughs> the theme 
the famous mm-hmm. Jeopardy thinking theme, which yes. is called Think, was composed by Merv Griffin as a lullaby to his son. Oh, wow. And so we can all be lulled by this, this wonderful show. It's beautiful. And, and this might be a little bit tangential, but I think we can also credit Jeopardy for maybe one of the best sequences in film history ever made, which was um, Rosie Perez in White Men Can't Jump. <laughs> right? like, uh, yeah. Nothing Queens. brings me more joy than that sequence of events in that movie. And it wouldn't be here without Jeopardy. It's true. On, on Wikipedia, the Jeopardy entry has a whole section on Jeopardy and pop culture, and it's like 15 things long of different, like every single sitcom has, or like Golden Girls has featured a, yeah. like a fake Jeopardy, Cheers has fe- featured it, every, everyone has. It's like part of pop culture for it was sure. In She's All That, Kevin Pollack would sit on the couch and just shout the answers and oh, always be getting yeah. them wrong. Yeah. yeah. It's also, it lends itself to comedy, but not by Jeopardy. It lends itself to be made fun of by Saturday Night Live, the Celebrity Jeopardy sketches, which were so big when I was growing up with Will Ferrell. So it doesn't do the comedy itself, and yet it has inspired so much good comedy outside of itself. So I think that it deserves a little credit for that, just in how seriously it takes it. It is ripe for mockery. It's hard compared to Family Feud, because Family Feud is now, is like a joke compared to it. Yeah. But, but such a good joke. But <laughs> it's such, such a good, it's true, such a good joke. I have to share this quick anecdote, which is um, I forgot about Family Feud when I was making my list. But when I was a child, it was my dream in life for my family to be on Family Feud. And we once went to this Indian camp, like a camp for Telugu's and their parents. And they had a, a, a Family Feud there. And we signed up for it and my family got picked. And I was so excited. But then when we got up on stage, all the questions were Indian themed instead of like normal things. Like, what are the most fun things to do at the temple? Or like, what's your they favorite surveyed, they, they surveyed a bunch of... Um, Indians. And Indians? we lost because me and my sister are whitewashed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we like wow. lost really badly. And I was so close to perfection. So, I mean, that was it. Like, that was the game show I wanted to be on out of any mm. game show, which I can't say I ever would want to be on Jeopardy. No, it would destroy me. I actually have a friend... Who was on Jeopardy and did well, but she. I have a friend on Jeopardy. We all have a friend on Jeopardy. But that, right? again, I think, which I think speaks so to the show. They put, they have this like trailer that goes around called the Brain Bus, and you can yeah. take the quiz inside. I think it's called the Bra- it's Brainiac mm-hmm. Bus or something, and you take a quiz inside of it that qualifies you for Jeopardy, and then mm-hmm. of course they interview you and see if you're a fun character and all those good, not crazy. Um, but she had the. <laughs> there's so many crazy Jeopardy fans out there that she. Only she didn't make it past her sh- episode, mm-hmm. but still she exists on this online database of everyone who's ever wow. that exists. That's like not like yeah, with take photos. it. Let's not with photos yeah. that is not maintained by the show. It's just super fans have this sure. like message board, oh, that's yeah. crazy. and people were which is crazy, but just speaks to the the fans <laughs> that and they were tra- like trashing her online because she's a history of art PhD. And she messed up a question that was like identify it had something about something in this painting, but it was a painting. So they were like, how could you not know that? Duh. Even, and she's like, I couldn't see the painting. It was in the corner of the studio. Oh, no. But it was like that stuff, like that level of fandom mm. where they're picking apart a contestant who appears one time. Wow. My, my vote is with Jeopardy because I think it is a quintessential game show. I also think it's, uh, it's wonderful when it's on at a bar or something and mm-hmm. you can just watch it. Because, I mean, you can just watch it. I mean, without any sound. You don't need a friend to be and in a bar for just Jeopardy. Like, but, I mean, it's amazing how it's so open for anyone to watch. Yeah. 
Like you can, sure, animals could watch Jeopardy. Yes. <laughs> it's very watchable. Uh, so we're going with going Jeopardy. Oh, I have to go for Family Feud. Ah. I've sat in home watching YouTube <laughs> videos of past Family Feuds. Like that's how much I enjoy it. Like you, like the bloopers of, I like. Yeah, like the best of bloopers, <laughs> where like a mo- grandma will accidentally say "pussy," you know? Yeah. Oh <laughs> like that's happened. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but survey says Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, no. The Price is Right versus Supermarket Sweep. Oh. oh, these are such good pairings. I swear, the computer did that. It was not me. Wow. Are you some bozo that thinks going to the grocery store is boring? Well, you're dumb because Supermarket Sweep is awesome. <laughs> I would say this is America's first supermarket-themed game show. In the beginning, you got one and a half minutes of time, and then you had to had to answer all these trivia questions about grocery products, which is really fun, because unlike Jeopardy, these are very accessible questions. They'll be like, what breakfast cereal is great? And then you just have to say Frosted Flakes, which is really good. But that's all hogwash to the Prime show, which made the show so great, was that you got this timed race, which was every child's dream and maybe every adult's dream, to run through a supermarket and try to grab as many things as you can and put them into the cart to try to make the most expensive bill that you wouldn't even have to pay for afterwards. And then sometimes there'd be giant inflatable bananas that you had to stick in your cart. Uh, <laughs> so like, I don't know. It's all in all pretty awesome. And talking about game shows that you could like play along in the moment, it was really easy, which which was important. And then I like have never gotten so amped up in a game show as I did watching them do the actual supermarket sweep. Right, like my heart would be pounding really fast, and I'd be like screaming at the television that like she picked up a pork chop instead of like. A lean you have to get the turkeys. Yeah, you have to get the turkeys. See, you just corrected me. Look how excited you are. Um, the turkeys. <laughs> yeah, it like, I just arousing. had a flashback. It's the most arousing of game shows. That's true. You prices right. I have prices right as well. Well, I'm feeling very confident in this matchup because the Price is Right has essentially supermarket sweep inside it. There are so many. <laughs> It encompasses what that game, game show. What game show doesn't it have inside? Exactly. It is a perfect game show that incorporates elements from almost every other game show and yet stands on its own with its own format. The feeling of watching it, first of all, is home from school. But not afternoon home from school. It's the end of the day. The I am off today. Even now, I still have that feeling when I watch it in the morning. Um Again, so many games within it. The spin of the wheel, three games, wheel, three games, wheel, showcase showdown. You get so many people in. There are different levels to it. I feel like it is the originator of the phrase that is the iconic game show phrase, the new car. Like that (laughs) is Price is Right, and that is game shows. And on a deeper level, a game show itself is a metaphor for the American dream, right? That is what it is. You are hope. You are aspiring to something greater than yourself. The Price is Right is the epitome of this metaphor because the only way you can achieve success in The Price is Right is through your commonness. If you know the price of Tide or toothpaste, 
you can win a car. It is a competition <laughs> a reversal. to be the most common. <laughs> and it is also within America's system. It is the perfect game for him. No one goes to The Price is Right wearing a Che Guevara t-shirt. It is like playing within the rules of American society. And through that, by being the most American, essentially, you become the winner of a grand prize. And the last point is... Bob Barker always ending every show with be sure to have your pets spayed or neutered. Not an accident. It is a game about being domesticated. Domestic life. Suburban life oh, in America. And it is... a game about domestic life than supermarket sweep? <laughs> yes, be because... You can only live in the grocery store in the moment. Let, let me ask you this. When's the last time you saw a hutch on supermarket sweep? When's the last time you could also get a jet ski? Houses need jet skis, too, in addition to loaves of bread. So I find it to just, it has everything. It really is the perfect epitome of a game show with such innocence, too, and it still feels 70s with the glitz and, and all the prizes you can win and outfitting your whole house. Yeah. It, is, it is a relic of, of that era, but also still stands on its own to, to be the ideal game show, the perfect game show, the masterpiece pinnacle of classic game it's show. all of the game shows yes. combined almost to the point because i was telling brandon we were <laughs> or as deepu mentioned like supermarket supermarket suite might, might be the easiest game show this was prices right might be the hardest besides sure. jeopardy where you have to know trivia mm-hmm. there's just so many games within prices right that each have their own set of rules and i know from a coworker who was on the show, they don't explain those rules ahead of time. Oh, You're literally pulled you know. from the audience. Are you and now an American? Like, now you have to playing. come on down. Yeah, you have to come on down. <laughs> yes. After you've come on down, obviously, like the wheel makes sense. But even the like each of those little games, sometimes you're betting. Like you can't go over. Sometimes you're uh-huh. betting. Like you're, the bet has to compare to another bet. Uh-huh. Like there's well, there's so many incarnations of that. How hard is it to drop a plinko chip? That's the easy one. So hard. So hard. Do you know the Plinko story where they rigged it for a promo? It was a big controversy. They rigged it for a promo. (laughs) They put fishing wire down the Plinko board so the pieces would automatically go to $10,000. Somebody comes on. They bring the Plinko board out in in one of the actual games. But they left the fishing wire in. So the first three Plinko chips went to $10,000. They The contestant won $30,000. And then they remembered that they had the fishing wire in it. And they, had, they went, we have to stop. We have to stop. It's rigged for the contestant. So they undid it. And everyone went nuts in the studio. But they let the contestant keep the thirty grand. Oh, you have to. But oh they retaped it and aired the version where they won whatever pittance they won in yeah, Plinko. Yeah. But Plinko, way more difficult than you would think, but source of huge controversy within the game show well, world. Oh my god, a PA got fired. Never had that <laughs> controversy. It's a good, wholesome, clean show. <laughs> sure. Deepu, if you had, if you had um, not Supermarket Sweep, but the Nickelodeon one, were you, what was well, that Well, that called? was not a game show. That was just one. I, I kept trying, I kept wanting the That was just a, like an interstitial they did? To be a, a game show. It was a, con, it was a thing oh, that a you could win, and then they would play a recording oh, on it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was and, my dream. But also, <laughs> you know, there was a whole, like Supermarket Sweep, I think every kid of the 90s had an idea of what they would do if they got the Super Toy Run. Because in my mind, if it was a Toys R Us, I would just go to the video game aisle and just take all the little slips of paper 
mm. that were the leopards. But anyway, um, I think it's. I will say I do. I can't. Even, I barely even remember the actual game of Supermarket Sweep. I just remember the, the sweep. sweep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the most exciting try, part. Try to remember what is the game. I know they're at the cash. These register. are not they're good just, questions they're, they're to be answering. Yeah, yeah, they would like show I think a very telling. item without the letters on it, and you had to guess what the brand was, or they would say like it would just be trivia about items in the supermarket. And there might have been some price guessing. There's price guessing. Yes, you had to say how much something cost. You had to unscramble yeah. like the word Kellogg. I don't know why I'm so focused on cereals. <laughs> I actually do know why I'm so focused on cereals <laughs> because we recently recorded that. Uh, no, I know this isn't going to win, but I'm just saying I'm, I, <laughs> the the thing that really got my bones a, a rambling was that supermarket run. Um, uh, I mean, in a that, way that no other piece of television has gets me that excited. I've never felt more alive than yeah. watching that. But I understand it's, that it's going to lose. Uh, I think. I think it, it's. I think it's. This one's price is right. Nick Arcade versus Double Dare. Oh no! I, I hate that it. It's come to this. Sometimes it comes to it where we have to get rid of one Nickelodeon game show. Well, before Nick Arcade, Nick Arcade was just a glint in the milkman's eye. There was Double Dare. Nickelodeon decided they needed a game show, and with that game show, they wanted a huge ending. And so it was decided to be an obstacle course. And so they built the whole game around the idea of it it ending in an obstacle course. And something, I guess the reason why I like this was similar to why Deepu liked Family Feud, where the family is competing. And it was my dream to have my family on Double Dare. Um, which would be, people who know my parents, it would be a nightmare and a failure. Your dad would be great. Your my mom, dad would be great. My mom would refuse to would, have like cream thrown on her. I would love to see someone just stand up at a physical challenge and just walk off the stage. And that would be my mom. But, <laughs> but before that, this became the longest running game show on Nickelodeon. It started in 1986, it went to 1993. They brought it back for just one season in 2000, but I think it was hard to relive the magic. But it was just this incredible human Rube Goldberg machine. There were giant hamster wheels. There was a giant nose that you got to reach your hands in. And as a kid, it was just so disgusting mm-hmm. in a wonderful, like disgusting in a clean way where everything was just cream, basically like slime and cream. And in reality, it actually was cream. They had vats and vats of cream, like and and um, huge industrial such sized standing mixers, just turning up and making whipped cream every day. Um, it was just such a good. It was like watching. I mean, who wants who? I feel like. The, Ugh, I'm rambling, but I'm just going to say that I love an obstacle course, and I feel like this was the the proto obstacle course that went on to create your aggro crags and your survivor challenges and your real world road rules challenges. Your American Ninja Warriors. Your American Ninja Warriors, exactly. <laughs> I just love the I love the idea that American Ninja Warrior evolved from Double Dare. I mean, did and it? Don't you like you, to watch people you love fall to down? Watch super sloppy American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> oh, I found a fun trivia fact that there are 200 gallons of whipped cream used on Double Dare a day, but on super sloppy Double Dare, they used 400 gallons. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read the um, the book about the oral history of Nickelodeon. I think it's a fine book. Sure. It's, it's, I mean, there's some really interesting things about it. Um, and one I remember was with Double Dare, uh, 
it was first off I find pretty amazing is that you think it's filmed in you, you, I as a kid you think it was filmed in Orlando Studios right. it was filmed in New York City oh. no in Philadelphia no the, for, sorry the pilot was filmed in New York, New York City and then the, the show was filmed in Philadelphia Philadelphia yeah but then they eventually did build a studio once Nick's stu- like Nickelodeon Studios was the thing. They're like, well, we have this is like clearly a centerpiece. Right. So they, they yeah. built like a version of it there. Um, but yeah, so they, some episodes New York and then most of them in Philadelphia. I've, but anyway, but also uh, they said that they filmed as you do with a game show, you film multiple shows in a day. Yes. And they said uh, it was basically a full season was filmed in a week and with multiple shows in a day. And they exhausting. basically just hosed it down every day, <laughs> the, the obstacle, obstacle course. And it had, like, shoots that all the cream water yeah. would oh, just God. go into and, and settle. Oh. said that by the end of the week, it smelled so wretched oh, that no one wanted to be in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had to because they had to finish the week out. Not to mention a studio audience for that type of thing. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, but... Nick Arcade, guys. Uh, I will say, Nick Arcade, not messy at all. Everything is fake. Uh, and I, I did really love the how you got to see new video games um, in the rounds where they played real, real video Wait, games. Wait, can I ask a question? So you know the round where they go to arcade games. Are yes. those real games? Yes, they were. The thing that okay. is confusing is that uh, some of them are SNES some were Nintendo, but they're all in a. In but a some house were systems that, that were like less. Game. Yes, but some of them were less known systems like Turbo Graphics and um, uh, Neo Geo. So you would see those games, and you'd be like, "I've never seen those games." It's because there were I felt like they never, never played never a game that I knew. Yeah, because uh, they, they did. They, I remember they played Sonic sometimes. Right. Yeah, um, I remember them playing Altered Beast. I mean, this was early on, so. And like Donkey Kong. Or other I, don't, I don't think they ever played Nintendo games. No, but there were games that were all basically Donkey Kong. Yeah, like trying to jump up platforms. Yeah, I mean the, the end was basically Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, it was will, also a more innocent time for video games and video game competition. Like yeah. you're not getting fragged or you know, having people go keck, 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 keck at you in StarCraft <laughs> yeah, or now whatever Nick it is. Would be, would be awful. Yes. I mean, it would be, be terrible. Yeah, and also there was a thing about where kids played video games but kids weren't experts at video games yeah. so I think it had this innocence where and no oh, codes, let's just no throw a codes. kid in front of a video game and now it would be like oh that kid's played that video game 17,000 times right. but this sounds like this first time these kids have ever touched these video games yeah. so they would and when video games were still new so this was with like, like a weird joystick that they've never never played before. so yeah. it was just amazing just to watch these kids play these all these games that just I think everyone Ruin failed them. and I was telling Brandon the thing that I found the hardest was they always would pair a boy and a girl. Sorry, oh, <laughs> don't you I know what you're gonna say. The girls were always terrible. Oh, this is and I don't think it's I didn't say it. I don't think it was their <laughs> fault, but double dare equal playing ground. Yes. Okay. I think it was just I don't know if the game is gendered or like what it was but I just even remember watching it as a kid and being like oh no now the girl's gonna go well I think it's a time where girls were less likely they to had play less exposure games. to it of course so, but yeah. the girls did well in the trivia stages they uh, did amazing at that I, yeah. I mean you had to have both I, and I will throw out one more thing to try to uh well, where's everyone leaning? I'm still pro Double Dare just because I, I feel like Double Dare Mikey, created. Who was the video game character that lived inside the world? Yeah. Um, that <laughs> it was walked like, where's around. Mikey? And, and like Mikey would 
run into things, and it was basically a board game. Uh, Mikey was a real star, um, but there you go. I feel like Double Dare, it inspired getting slimed, and that has become such a staple for Nickelodeon that has lived on beyond the Double Dare itself. Exactly. So, I don't know, this is tough. Deepu, what do you think? Here's what I have to say. (laughs) (laughs) We live in a world where we pick that digital trash of Nick Arcade over the analog version of sticking your head up a nose and being covered in slime to get an orange flag. I don't want to live in that world. (laughs) You know? There's just it's undoubtedly a better, more classic, more exciting uh, game show than just watching kids play video games on TV. Like it's a society that I, I can't live live in. You know? I agree. Wow. Double Dare, it is. Yeah, he's convinced me. We I are taking the physical well. challenge. That was beautiful. <laughs> uh, Mikey just Mikey just fell into a lava pit. That's what you just did. Yeah. <laughs> Good riddance. <gasps> he has extra lives, though. Don't worry about it. Round three. Where in the world is Carmen Sandigo versus Jeopardy? This is, I mean, I feel like this is like the kids' version of the and the grown-up version. Yeah. <laughs> Of the same yeah, game. It's true. <laughs> one has acapella, one does but not. There's no physical challenge at the end of Jeopardy. If there is actually, or, if Jeopardy could be improved upon, it would be challenge? making those nerds run around the studio doing something, identifying or, something. Yeah, or an acapella <laughs> group in the background <laughs> singing along to current events. There's one thing about, we didn't mention that. People rarely remember about uh, uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, which is actually one of the reasons I loved it, is that in the first rounds, all of the clues, although they were about geography, all the questions were in the form of sketch comedy or like Bits, parodies yeah. of pop songs. Like, oh, yeah. It was actually like all really interestingly formed questions that were much more interesting than the Daily Double video. Oh, my God. Those videos are Snooze. not great. <laughs> The, the same by the same token for that the part of the game that was sort of a memory board where you had to find the crook and the clue and the warrant. Mm-hmm. Also, this the, I'm lo- just re- the warrant. The, I'm just realizing this game taught me what a warrant was. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a warrant. Yeah. Um, every time and the justice system, <laughs> all in one game show. All in one game show. <laughs> for, say, for example, it would be places in Boston, so they would have like Faneuil Hall, and you know. Paul Revere's Tavern or whatever, all these different locations. And every time they turned over to reveal what was behind that, which happened multiple times because the kids are sort of racing to play a memory game and identify which ones have stuff behind them. Rockapella has like a different joke, like sung joke Ah. every every single one. And it's such a small thing, but I was watching it again on YouTube today and I was like, wow, like there's a lot of writing in this show. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate it. So, I do think that Jeopardy is a better game. <laughs> Carmen Sandiego is a very... It's two stitched-together games that aren't as strong as just the game of Jeopardy. Um, and that's What's a better I game think. show? Hmm? Does the stakes... <laughs> the stakes feel, like, higher in Carmen Sandiego? Well, because you're Cause you're competing for a lifetime, <laughs> a year supply of Melody Pops, 
encyclopedia set. Encyclopedia sets. <laughs> That's right. An encyclopedia Britannica, as yeah. opposed to money. That's so much more important. Do we want to invest in little fiscally oriented groups or people that just want to learn about their world? Information is power, Brandon. <laughs> I do like how on Jeopardy people come back. That's fun. That is fun. Kids oh, don't Car- come back. Carmen San Diego always comes back. So does the cast of Villains. No, yeah, well, and Acapella. Acapella comes back every Do the show kids too. have to go in the witness protection agency after they like after deal they with Carmen San Diego? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they just, they just born identity them. They wipe their memories because they're gumshoes, <laughs> sure. right? But no one gets sure. promoted from gumshoe to like real like only Interpol in the video agent. game, right? <laughs> That's right. They're not like, congrats, you figured out everything in uh, Africa. Now go find the Zodiac killer. <laughs> towards Carmen. Carmen. This, towards was, Carmen. this is tough, though. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence still, but I guess leaning Carmen? I, I just think, here's what I Well, think, how close that, are we to Jeopardy the end? Jeopardy is just not, I mean, this is the, 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 the penultimate round. Okay. I, I think that, it's just that Jeopardy, because it's not, Sexy, not that Carmen San Diego sexy. Oh, Carmen San Diego. Well, she's beautiful. She's beautiful, but I mean, I mean, it's just not in. It's not a flashy game. Yeah. Uh, something I like about Jeopardy is that it could exist infinitely. Yes. There is no beginning, middle, or end. Yes. Yeah. It just keeps going forever. Yeah. But there's no it map. Doesn't have any wow factor. It doesn't have an it factor, right? Like it yeah. might, it might be a good workhorse of game shows, but is it my like favorite? Does it bring warmness? Oh, to that's my true. Heart? Fa- is it a fave? Is it a fave? This is a game of faves. But is yeah. it fave in thinking about it in the past or in thinking about it going forward? Because there's no future for me with Carmen Sandiego. Oh at this yes, nostalgia <laughs> has heavy weight on Toad's Yeah, and the salsa is usually the defining factor of. Most people's choices. This is oh, it's difficult. I can't imagine a world without Jeopardy now. That would make me very sad. Whereas I've mm. acclimated myself to not having <laughs> Carmen Sandiego in my life. It's been a long point. time since 1993. Yes, a long time. Oh, man. if they brought her back, would it be that she like broke out of jail? She'd yeah. be a cyber hacker. Yeah, probably. <laughs> She'd be Julian Assange, and now I don't like her. Lincoln. <laughs> She just be leaking. Yeah, Carmen Sandiego gumshoes. Carmen Sandiego like, has leaked a document about yeah. the U.S. government. The U.S. government. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I watched that. Yeah. Millions of voting registrations yeah. have been leaked to the yeah. public. Vladimir Putin is harboring Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we need to at least do a preliminary vote. We got to wrap this guy up. Yeah, um, I'm happy either way, honestly. I'll vote for Jeopardy. I'll take I'll take a definitive stand. Uh, it's I'm it's vote difficult. For Carmen, strong Carmen here. Because of all that? those women of color. But Cesar, it's not coming to me. I I really, I really think I'm really leaning towards Jeopardy. Oh, well, then it is going to come to me. Yeah. Um, think of Rosie Perez as well. Oh, a quince. Um, <laughs> they remember our alumni, Rockapilla. I know <laughs> they are. Also, we had a friend who appeared on the show from college too. Hmm. Um, I, I mean, I almost want, I'm going to vote for Jeopardy just because the categories include things beyond geography. Oh, that's a really good point. It's a very good point. That's the only reason. And I do, I respect that I can't continue my life with Carmen Sandiego, but I can continue my life with Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. For as long as Alex Trebek is with us. And beyond. (laughs) 
They'll just replace him with Watson. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be, That'd be really, really good. Yeah. Watson would somehow be less condescending. And they just put a little mustache underneath the, yeah. the glowing orb. That'd be great. The Price is Right versus Double Dare. These two are child and adult-like versions of the same show in some ways. This is like the Carmen Sandiego versus Jeopardy all over again. How? I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. There is a various games that you compete in to then play the big game. And it's fun and whimsy, where uh, Jeopardy and Carmen Sandiego were like studious. Yeah. The no, there's, world there's of academia. Cri- crimes that happened in Carmen Sandiego. Sure. <laughs> a crime has happened. Yeah. <laughs> a major landmark has been stolen. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we can't even stop talking about it. I know. I know. We can't. It's so good. We can't stop talking about it. This wound is too fresh. We can't reopen this. <laughs> I, I will I say that I think Price is Right is if it's at all possible, is more manic than Double yes, Dare. Yes, the kids game show. It's more crazy. Yeah, crowd, yes. No one is more, in, no crowd is more into the game yes. than, than on Price is Right. Price is Right. But if there was a Price is Right game that was as fun as somebody's dad running in a hamster wheel across the stage to but get a flag. Weirdly, that could happen on the Price is Right. They have the mountain climber. It. There's a mountain climber that goes yet. up. <laughs> There's that mountain no climber is not my dad, games, really. That's true. That's true. No, sometimes you have to run around and put the tags on different things. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's good. I like that one. It's a good game. There's mini golf. You have to hit the a mini golf game. Is so hard. Golf shot to win a car. Yeah, Bob Barker loved that one because he played golf, and right. then he could show how good he was at sinking that putt. That's right. Uh, it may, it's it's a different game. I mean, Drew Carey's fine, but. Mm-hmm. Bob Barker, maybe when Drew Carey had, had aged to the, per, to the perfection that Bob Barker has. Yes. There's a gravitas that's sort of necessary. Yeah, that's swagger. Yeah. <laughs> Sternness. He was stern. Yeah. He was stern. But is there a Sunday slide? On the was Price there a right? Sunday slide? Thank you, Zara. Was there <laughs> families? Oh, but Price is Right also has the villain in a way a game show doesn't have a villain when someone would bet $1. Ugh. And you're just yeah. like, that how dare to, you? That was cool. Like, I thought we lived with codes in a society. <laughs> in honor. It is so, just the hate you would have for somebody uh, who did that. But and you, the person... You have, have you seen $2? Because I've seen that happen. I've before. seen that happen. And then it's like... <laughs> but you can hear it. You can feel it in the audience. Everyone yeah. just goes... <gasps> oh, no. Yeah. It's like watching a robber get robbed. It's great. Because it's perfect. It's a perfect moment. And then... There is no more tragic figure than the person who is called up in the first round and doesn't make it on stage the, oh, whole, the game. whole game. And then you watch them get psyched out. There's just, Price is Right is just that, a perfect it, game show. It has so much going for it. It has more highs and lows because the highest stakes that you get in Double Dare is when they're given a, like one team is given a question and they're like, they don't know the answer and they're mm-hmm. like, dare. And it goes back to the other t- team and, and then they're they like, double, double dare. dare. Yeah. And then they're like, do you want to take the physical challenge? And it's like, of course I do. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the punishment is like, yes, the I want to push fun. a bed with my mother on it and dump <laughs> like eggs and bacon on her. Sure. Which was a game that I watched this morning. Wow. <laughs> yeah. When they both have um, like fulfillment. Because Price is Right, you get to pe- watch people win cars and then have to deal with all the taxes. And afterwards. there's so many opportunities to win. It, <laughs> yeah. Every, you can win. You also can lose and still have won a lot on The Price is Right, which yeah. is a nice and you, you aspect win, to it. You can win a lot on yes. The Price is Right. 
The yeah. most you could win on like Double Dare would be like a trip to Hawaii or some Huffy bikes. Sure. Or, or reconnecting with your dad that you haven't spoke to in a couple years, you know? So, Deepu, you're really doubling down, doubling down on the family thing, but The Price is Right has families on it all the time. Yeah. No. But you're still supporting the your... Time. They're just in the background yeah. cheering. But though, isn't that wonderful, too? If you want to no, get no, ooey gooey? Collaborating is more important. The, but no, they, they'll be in the audience yeah, shouting, shouting the price of the something, prices. and you'll see them trying to hear the communication from <laughs> across an entire is studio. Mom, is your mom trying to throw pies into your pants? Because <laughs> that was one of the games was tossing pies into oh, your Oh, yeah, pants. there was lots of that. There was lots of That's games. That's too close to home. I was watching. There were lots of games involving moving liquids from one place to another. Like oh, yeah. all the games on came down head. on someone's head. <laughs> yeah. Pushing the liquid, sponges to make the liquid. And that actually did give me a thrill watching that liquid go up to mm. a line. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But quite a thrill. <laughs> yes. Gave me a thrill. So I guess the question is, do we want a game centered on consumerism or family bonding? We're talking about game shows. <laughs> that train has left the station. It's a podcast about game shows. We're talking about game? Yes. We're trying to win things here. Yeah, we can't burn the system down now. We're, too, we're in too deep. You win yeah. a hug from your dad who hasn't spoken to you in five years. <laughs> Only after you win or the hockey bike. a new car. <laughs> Well, I'll continue in the tradition of this episode of being the lone voter <laughs> for dying art of um, of Double Dare. No, I love it. I just something about Price is Right. the 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 wish fulfillment of it mm-hmm. is is strong. puts it ahead for me, even though Double Dare was my number one. I'm I'm a prices I'm a Price is Right. I'm so. Price is Right till the end. Final round, Jeopardy versus The Price is Right. We knew it would come down to this. Um, yeah. Let's take a moment to just notice that um, Devin's killing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is this is my number one versus my number two. Oh, and you were you. selling it short when you were saying they're basic. These are by basic you mean essential. Yeah, they're essential. <laughs> yeah, but, I have to congratulate us for not having Wheel of Fortune. Yes, I'm actually oh, yeah, shocked. That's trash. That's what trash. garbage? But it's trash. It's garbage. Yeah. It's actually trash. boring and frustrating. Yeah. at the same time. Um, and there's no skill. I mean, really you have to th- guess question, Yeah, what's that, Deepu? Which one of these two are we going to pick? It's Price is Right, right? I don't... So for me, the, the one thing that bothers me about Price is Right is that they, they don't explain anything. It feels like going <laughs> to um, a comedy show that's been going on for years and you don't know the inside jokes and all the jokes are inside jokes. Hmm. It feels sometimes like... I don't sometimes have no idea what's going on and it's thrilling but also frustrating because it's so fast that sometimes I'm trying to figure out the game and I'm like as soon as I figure out the game they're on to the next game right but um and (laughs) Jeopardy is the same game forever so there's also the aura of casual sexism around the prices right which I don't think we've spoken about but it's definitely there and but it, Didn't they add a man? I thought they added a they man. They have a man now. They do? They One man? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So is it just an age-old question of, like, highbrow versus lowbrow yeah. America? Is this what it's coming down to? These are just lofty metaphors for a much yes. bigger question we're trying to answer. 
They're metaphors for the American experience. This is what I set out to prove. Oh, I feel good. For Price is Right. <laughs> Price look, is Right is what we are. Jeopardy is yeah. what we aspire to all, be. But we are what we are. We're all united in that these are either our number one or our number two. Yeah. We've all come together. And I think like no matter how much money you win on Jeopardy, you're going to spend it on some bullshit that you could have won on the Price is Right. I yeah. bet. None of them spend it on anything but student loans and investments. That's fair. And New Yorker subscriptions. And New Yorker yeah. subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> now I get talk of the town every week. <laughs> One day I'll be the talk of the town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so what are we feeling? I, I, I think Price is right. <sighs> I don't know. I, 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 think- I get more enjoyment from Jeopardy. That's the truth of it. Well, that's just because you um, spent some time in the UK. You're probably too classy <laughs> so, for the prices right. I, I just love America, trivia. I vote for prices right. <laughs> I it just as a game show. It's I I do it's love everything. Jeopardy, but I feel all right with Jeopardy being Thing number, number two, two. Me too. To the game show bulldozer that is the price it is, is a right. game show bulldozer yeah. that's exactly it it's all the game, game show inside of the price is right yes <laughs> it has a wheel it has yeah, yeah. Uh, five years jeopardy will just be part of the price is right <laughs> yeah exactly it'll be folded into it <laughs> i'm okay with this pick all right battle over which means the totes faves game shows number five nick arcade number four where in the world is carmen san diego Number three, Double Dare. Number two, Jeopardy. Number one, The Price is Right. Commence Fave of the Week segment. Every episode, we check in to see what our favorite thing is at this very moment. Uh, this week, my fave is Planetarium, this new album that was released by Sufjan Stevens and like an all-star cast of three other uh, musicians. Have any of you guys heard of this before? I have not. It's the most gorgeous thing in the world. So it's a string quartet, a set of computer-synthesized noises, and then seven trombones taking you through a journey that is inspired by space. And it's self-proclaimed that the thesis it's trying to prove is to be human is a total mess. It's like Sufjan Stevens amped up to three times higher than he normally is. And it's like the most gorgeous 75 minutes I've spent in my life. Like almost transcendent. It's, um, it's really beautiful. I highly recommend it. I just added it to my Spotify. Done. <laughs> Perfect. What's your fave, Zara? Uh, my fave is <laughs> Your Fault. Uh, when yeah. I was in Pittsburgh the other weekend, you introduced me to a little iPhone game called Disney Sum Sum. Um, we've already discussed, I believe during the Fave of the Week segment a couple of weeks ago that um, our Faves of the Week are Tsum Tsums, the tiny little, like, Disney Japanese creatures, little, like, balls, basically. And so there's a game where all you have to do... I'm not into iPhone games. I, I only play Solitaire and Spider Solitaire. and Until? Until Disney Tsum Tsum, which <laughs> is a game where there are different Zoom Zooms based on Disney characters. And they also have a Marvel one, which I believe you're into, Deepu. I'm very into. Very into. <laughs> and so these little balls fall down from the top, and you just line them up in triples. and Try to like connect as many as possible. Minimum number is three. And magic things happen when you do. And it's just very... And it's only 60... Each game is 60 seconds. And it's very satisfying. And it triggers a part in my like lizard brain that reacts to like color and light and the satis- like the satisfaction of lining up things. <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. And it's taken over my life. 
Brandon, how about you? Uh, so I'm uh, really into uh, Aaron Judge, the a- outfielder in home run machine on the Yankees right now. He tweeted, uh, oh, sorry, he, he wore on ESPN on an interview this uh, printed shirt that was based on the movie The Sandlot of a pattern with uh, the great Hambino, the fat, the, little, the, fat, the fat guy from The Sandlot, and hamburgers and baseballs. And uh, I loved it, and apparently everyone else did, because this website uh, of this company that makes it called The Roosevelt's crashed, and uh, I went to their website, and I literally want to buy every single thing that they make. They're an Americana-based company, and but also I call that that, but I think it's also just 90s nostalgia. Kind of related, they have a... a a shirt with they're all, all Hawaiian style shirts Hawaiian with style repeated patterns. patterns and one was uh, related all aggro crags <laughs> from yeah. uh, Nickelodeon Guts so I'm going to work my way down th- their, their entire line eventually because I have to own all of them so that's uh, called the Roosevelt's but spelled without any vowels mm. um, and Devin what are you into right now? Uh, I've been playing in the spirit of gaming I've been playing some independent video games lately and I think Oftentimes in video games, it's easy to get stuck in like the big major games, your Legend of Zelda or Witcher or whatever they are. But I've played two indie games lately, the first of which was uh, called Firewatch, which came out, I think, about a year and a half, two years ago. And it's last year. Yeah. Yeah. Last year. And uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful experience. It's sort of, um, it's voice acted by Rich Summer, who was in oh, Mad, Mad Men. Men played Harry Crane, and it's the story of a a man who goes into the woods and is at a station watching for forest fires and is sort of isolated, and I won't spoil anything as to why he's there or what happens, but you have this sort of radio relationship with another another one of the uh, fire watchers uh, who's sort of your superior, and it's beautiful. And the thing that's great is it's a five to six hour experience, so you could play it just on on one day you can play it with someone next to you on the couch um and it's a really beautiful very, and kind of very pretty yeah very pretty and and a kind of stunning experience just um walking simulator so not so open world but uh it really had me on the edge of my seat the whole time and you can play it in one sitting which is it's really nice it's like reading a a, a short story or something like that where you really go, run through a gamut of emotions and, and feel so much as you play it and then the other one is a quick it's a old school adventure game that it was just made called Thimbleweed Park and it came out and uh, it's a little bit longer but it's made by the people who made Monkey Island and uh, Maniac Mansion and if you like old school adventure games you have to play it it's really fun it's really funny it's got a lot of insidery references and uh, yeah so Firewatch and Thimbleweed Park the indie games uh, you will be uh, glad you played both of them yeah Firewatch especially I know it's good for I've yet to play it but I've Heard from many people that it's it's good for people that don't even like video games. It's, yeah. very, it's not twi- it's not twitchy or anything. It's so mm-hmm. much. It's just about uncovering a story, yeah. which is really cool. All right, so um, Devin, where can people find? Well, where in the world <laughs> can people find? <laughs> We're still talking about her. They'll have to, <laughs> and she's they'll only have to run around and put list. a little like <laughs> siren on top of a continent. Um, uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at uh, devdell d e v d e l l, and um, uh, you can watch the TV show that I work on, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, 
It's on uh, Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Or you can watch it on the Comedy Central app at your leisure. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, a lot to cover on the show lately. So um, <laughs> it nothing's a, going on. Right give now. it a watch Nothing whenever you have a, have a chance. Uh, and Deepu. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at VP Murdy. I also recently posted a picture of some beignets on Instagram <laughs> at the same name at VP Murdy. My first post in about six months. And you um, said that you're exclusively going to post pictures of beignets now, right? Just beignets. That's my new Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, you should just be at, at beignets. Have been hey. <laughs> um, and then if you are ever in Pittsburgh, um, maybe come check out a show at Steel City Improv where I perform sometimes. Nice. Zara, what about you? Where can I find you, girl? Oh my, oh my God. And you can follow me on Twitter. I rarely tweet, but if you... But I'm there at ZRFS. Um, you can watch the show that I work on. Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. It's Sunday through Thursday nights live at 11. And Brandon, sorry. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BB Werner and my comedy history project, Laughing Historically, on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Instagram at uh, Laughing Historically. And if you like this show, Totes Faves, please, please, please rate and subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates on all future episodes. And that's at Totes Faves for all of those networks. And we always love hearing from you. So this week in our Apple Podcast Review section, why don't you leave us a comment and let us know who you think might be capable enough to replace Alex Trebek as host of Jeopardy once he dies. Never. If he ever dies. He's Never. not going to retire. Long may he reign. Yeah, he's not going to die. Long may he reign. He's inside Watson. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, maybe he's he Watson. uploaded his consciousness to Watson? Yeah. Wow. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> so.